Welcome to a week seven edition of Between the Horns, presented by your Southern California Toyota dealers, proud partner of the LA Rams. I am JV Long, and the Rams are at SoFi Stadium this weekend to take on the winless Detroit Lions. Let's start with my broadcast partner, DeMarco Farr. Uh, DeFar, hard to believe it is week seven already, but a familiar face at quarterback and another at defensive tackle, defensive line coming to town this weekend. Yeah, this is going to be fun. It's going to be interesting. I, I wonder how the crowd is going to tr- uh, treat Jared Goff when he's announced or when he makes a play or he gets hit. Michael Brockers, I can't wait to see uh, pregame go up and give him a big hug. I've seen every single snap. Um while he was in a Rams uniform. Now I'll get to see the ones where he's against the Rams, so that's going to be something special. Uh, but all that goes out the window. Once toe meets leather and you start playing football, who cares if you know him? Who cares if you're related to him? Uh, you need a win. They need a win bad. So uh, may the best team win on game day. DeMarco, I want to introduce another familiar name, but we haven't seen him in a while. This is Maurice Jones-Drew. Uh, he's been missing in action for a couple of games, a couple of weekends. He was across the pond working for NFL Network in London. Good morning, MJD. It's nice to see you. Uh, is, it, is it morning here? I'm still stuck on London time. I've uh, been up the last couple of days at 2 a.m. because my body clock hasn't changed. Hopefully it changes before Sunday so I can give you all the energy that you guys need. But you guys have done a great job. You're undefeated without me, so I'm a little concerned. <laughs> maybe, you know, uh, at risk, let's say. Look at yeah, you, you it, London bloke. The <laughs> don't get it done this week. We're sending you back to London for whoever's playing there next, and you could just sit there and wait for the next round of games. Um, is there anything we need to review, Maurice? Like, you're aware the Rams are 5-1, and one, right? They have wins over Seattle <laughs> and the Giants since we've seen you last. Matthew Stafford's the quarterback. You good on all those fronts? Uh, you, you, you know what's funny? I actually was using NFL Game Pass, and I watched every game. Um, I was trying to find a way to – be able to listen to you guys as the game was going on, but the internet over there is a little wonky. I tried to join the last um, uh, between the horns, but as we know, the, the UK internet's a little different, so it didn't allow me to connect. But um, I'm up to speed, man. Listen, Matthew Stafford's throwing no-look passes for touchdowns. Uh, Daryl Henderson's looked like he's getting back into form running and catching, and the defense is playing lights out, and Taylor Rapp catching the football. I love it. Go, go dogs, right? By the way, we didn't get a chance to talk about this, but DeMarco, I uh, like my steak medium. I like um, mashed potatoes. I like asparagus. I like a lot what of... What am I missing? UCLA smashed... Oh, my God. So, just because I was on TV doesn't mean that the dinner is not still on the table. You're on. You got it. Man of my word. <laughs> Well, we're going to talk a lot about the quarterback matchup. Uh, the two first-round picks uh, traded for each other, now facing the teams that drafted them for the first time in their career. Uh, DeMarco, we're certainly not going to do the who won the trade conversation because it's way too early for that. Uh, there were picks going the opposite direction, and those are going to play out over the future years. But so far, we can at least say the Rams are getting exactly what they hoped out of Matthew Stafford. Oh, agreed. I, I, I think uh, you, you, you kind of summed that up perfectly because – Uh, Once those first-round picks come into play, we'll see what happens with the Lions. But I would say the Rams are in win-now mode. They've been in win-now mode. So right now they're winning the the, the trade. So Matthew Stafford has meant everything to this offense. He's changed it. Um, He's changed it to to fit what he does best. He's turned it more vertical. I think the offensive line is feeding off him. And there's something about when you're blocking for a franchise quarterback, it just takes your game up a notch. And Cooper Cup, nice video. I, I think there was... 
more to him than we saw since he came into the league, and I think we're seeing the best of him now. Robert Woods is the same way. So uh, Matthew Stafford has been everything advertised and a little bit more. So we're going to need him to do this for the next 12 weeks, 12 to 15 weeks, so to speak, but I think it's possible. Uh, Everything is open to Sean McVay. Um, Everything is open to Matthew Stafford. He has really opened up this entire offense, and the team is feeding off him. So, so far, so good with this trade, but I think there's more to come for Matthew Stafford. And J.D., he spent a dozen seasons in Detroit, uh, set a lot of records, never got them where they were hoping to go in terms of postseason picture. But what do you think will be going through his mind You know, when they sing the national anthem, when he goes out for the coin toss and he gets set uh, to face the Detroit Lions? Well, I think DeMarco said it best. When you, you, you're playing, your your guys that have blocked for you, some of your best friends are on that team still. All those emotions are going to come into play. But once toe meets leather, all that goes out the window. To be honest, I could tell you a quick story. I remember playing my, my youngest son's godfather, who was my college roommate. He played for the Colts. Uh, obviously, I was with the Jags. And I was trying to hurt him. Like, it was, there was no love lost in this matchup because I knew I was going to hang out with him in the offseason. I want to make sure that I put my best foot forward in that situation. I think the same way with Matthew Stafford and Jared Goff, right? Both are going to have that feeling of, I want to give it to the team that traded me away. Yes, Detroit traded him to the Rams. Obviously, Jerry goes to the Lions. But you want to you wanna play your best with an organ, for the organization or against the organization that drafted you and that you, you have so many memories. Let's, let's remember there's equipment guys that are there that Matthew Stafford knows, the trainers that are there, the, um, the jam- all those people are going to be watching this game that you've met throughout your tenure there. So it's going to be exciting. And the same thing for Jared Goff. It's going to be emotional. It always is. But once, the, once you get across those lines, you've got to put that aside and go play ball. Well, let's follow up on that a little bit. I'm not usually in the business of telling people how they should feel about a certain topic or event. So the question's kind of like, how should Rams fans react at SoFi Stadium when Jared takes the field? But I'll ask it a different way. Maurice, how do you personally feel about Jared's return? Personally? Well, listen, uh, I've known Jared for a long time. Um, I know he's emotional about it. Uh, the breakup wasn't the best, and they never are. Um, and so... I think you should just get the raw emotion. Yes, there should be a plotting. Yes, there should be booze as well, right? Jared played well for the Rams in 2018. You go to the Super Bowl, all those things happen. But then the last couple of years, he didn't play so well. And so you have that sour taste in your mouth. Obviously, the way it ended wasn't the best. Um, and so I think you'll get a mixture of it. For me, I think it's going to be exciting to see Jared. I know he hasn't played to the best of his ability uh, to this point. I You heard uh, Dan Campbell kind of call him out in the media, which – was a little weird for me to see and hear, but it's on Jared to go out there and perform. And so I, I'm going to welcome him with open arms. Hopefully I get a hug from him when we see him. Hopefully when we're on the field, JB, we get a hug and we see him and, you know, wish him <laughs> well. But at the end of the day, he's a Detroit Lion. And so, um, yes, that stuff is going to be good before the game, but during the game, you expect to hear boos and chants and all those different type of things because he's playing the, he's, a, he's an, op, he's the, he's a, the opposition now. And so, you know, as Rams fans, you want to win, and, and, and it's okay to do that. Well, Maurice, let me go back to Dan Campbell for a hot minute. When your starting quarterback throws the ball away on fourth down, you should be called out, no, especially when you're a veteran. Absolutely. When, when you're a winless football team doing everything they can to win a football game and your number one guy makes one of the biggest mistakes ever, you should be called out. So, uh, yeah, it is what it is. But, hey, look um, – 
I can't wait for this game. I, I watched the, the San Francisco game in particular, San Francisco-Detroit, because I wanted to see how Samson Ebocom uh, was going to react to playing against Jared Goff. And he did nail him a few times, and it looked like it felt good. So, look, the one quarterback that Aaron Donald, that Leonard Floyd, weren't going to be able to get after were there, was their own quarterback, even if you wanted to. Well, now this is your opportunity. Anything, everything you've ever felt about Jared, good or bad, you get to go out there and compete against him. So, yeah, this is not going to be nice. This is not going to be friendly. He is the enemy. He's wearing the opposite colored jersey. So go after him. And there's going to be a little bit extra in it because he was in your locker room. You know more about him than anyone else in the National Football League. So if there's any get back to be to be done, it's going to happen on game day. So whatever happens, it's going to be a lot of fun. It won't be it won't be pleasant for Jared Goff, but it shouldn't be pleasant for any quarterback coming into SoFi. And let me say yes. this too. I've been on. I've been reading on Twitter. A lot of people saying like, "Don't boo Jared," and don't like. No, 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 no. Let him have it. Friends, and cousins, and you know, you know, family. If I were to play one on one against my younger brother, he's getting elbowed in the mouth. It is going to be one of the most violent games that you would ever see, right? Jared is still family. He's been here a long time. He was part of the L.A. coming back. The Rams coming back to L.A. That is how it should be played. If you if you don't go hard and try to tackle him, sack him, do the other stuff, then it, you're not doing it justice. It's, it's different. Like, you treat people that you know when you compete against them worse than you do people you don't know. That's just yeah, Absolutely. Of- I will bring you flowers in the hospital because I love you, but I'm trying to put you there. <laughs> it's tough love, yes. That's how it should be. Guys, I will say this, though. Looking at the Detroit roster as it's currently constituted, it's not that familiar for Matthew Stafford. Like, the defense is starting two undrafted rookies at corner, for instance. They've got a new head coach, new defensive coordinator. Whereas, this is quite a bit of continuity on the Rams side. I know it didn't feel that way going into this season for the team we cover, but big picture, there are a lot of familiar faces, and the scheme is largely intact. So I think if there is an information advantage a familiarity with scheme and personnel offense looking at defense, it belongs to Goff. I don't think he has any other advantages necessarily coming into week seven, but that might be the one. Well, here's the thing, JB. Um, We know Goff because we watched him, we covered him, and the players in the locker room played with him. So you know exactly how to beat him. You know exactly what he does and does not like. So I'll say this. You get Jared Goff behind the chains, you might as well erase Hawkinson from, from from the game plan. If you keep them in third and mediums, then you unleash that tight end. But if you keep them in second and tens, third and elevens, Jared's going to check it down nine times out of ten and say, let the defense do it. So you know exactly what you need to do to have success against Jared Goff. I mean, he has a first-rounder at tight end. Hawkinson, you mentioned. He has a fourth-round rookie wide receiver from USC, Amon Ross St. Brown. MGD, that's about it. I mean, all of his other targets, receivers at least, are undrafted guys struggling to kind of stay on the active roster. Well, so let me say this. is Sometimes it is personnel, other times it's scheme. And so I think the one thing that Jared has more than anyone else is that he knows Sean McVay. He knows how he thinks, right? So he could talk to Aaron Glenn, the defensive coordinator, and say this is what he likes to do in these situations. This is where he likes to go in these situations. It may not be the same plays, but, but understanding the, the person that's calling the plays and what he wants to do, right? So Jared has that aspect of it. The other thing is you talk about defensively. Now, let's go back to the Green Bay Packers when they play the Detroit Lions and Joe Barry, who's the D corner at the Green Bay Packers, who practiced against Jared Goff, understands Jared Goff. He didn't do what we thought 
you would do against Jared Goff, which is that pressure up the middle, right? We all know Jared doesn't like that. So I'm I'm interested to see if Raheem Morris is going to find a way to try to create havoc up the middle to get Jared off his spot, rolling either way, and to create that pressure. Joe Barry didn't do that for the Packers, and it was a it was a very close game, obviously early on. So those are the things that I'm looking at now. When you're talking about the personnel part of it with Hawkinson and uh, Amra St. Brown and all those guys, he has to find a way to get the, those guys the ball. Now, again, when you watch their tape, it's really DeAndre Swift is their go-to guy. They want to get mm-hmm. him the ball as much as possible. They want to find ways to get Hawkinson involved as well. And then they have other receivers outside that kind of, you know, get the crumbs of it. But the key to Jared Goff, like we've always said, like we've seen for years, and we've been working, what, six years now, is pressure up the middle. Can you get guys in his face up the middle to get him off the spot? If you can do that, Jared, Jared is not as effective. But if you can't, if you can't get pressure up the middle, see here, mm-hmm. this is exactly what we're looking at, right? If you got <laughs> Jared Goff, he has the potential and the ability to dice you up. Well, that's Let's not, not fair. That's surprised. Yeah, that's Aaron. Aaron does that to everyone. But I, I'm with you, Maurice. If I'm Raheem Morris, Taylor Rapp is breaking the huddle and staying on the line of scrimmage. I'm loading up with eight and saying, Jared, beat me deep if you can. And I bet you can't do it. I'll take the last word here on Jared before we move on. And uh, I appreciate what you guys as former players said and the attitude, the disposition that you have to bring between the lines. But speaking more sentimentally in terms of what it's going to be like here at SoFi Stadium, let's just say the Lions lose the toss. The Rams elect to defer, right? So they kick it away and Jared Goff comes off the sideline. I I really hope that the Rams faithful in attendance here in Inglewood, we are at SoFi Stadium on Sunday, give him a standing ovation. Right. Why? That first half, give him a standing ovation because what he did for this franchise was incredible. What he poured into this community, his time, his talent, his treasure um, was unparalleled. And he continues to be a part of, of Englewood and, and those endeavors. Uh, two Pro Bowls, a couple of division titles, a trip to the Super Bowl. Like you don't and you shouldn't erase that history, like cherish it, celebrate it. And then see if you can go get to uh, six and one with him on the other sideline. JB, I'm not gonna lie to you. It wasn't like he wasn't cheered when he was here. <laughs> we could cheer. He's for on him. the other team now. <laughs> I'd, rather give, I'd rather give him flowers in the locker room. Send him a nice bouquet of 50, 50 dozen roses. Thank We're you. Yes. But look, this, this, they broke around this stadium the week that he was announced as the starter. Right. That 2016 season, and that was the start of something. And I remember him down on the floor of this facility you know, throwing footballs to the construction workers. And we all envisioned what it was going to be like when this place was full and number 16 was behind center for the Rams. It didn't exactly play out that way, and that's okay. Matthew Stafford is here now, but I think it's worth that one pregame moment, speaking only for myself. And I also want to get to the point that it's not just Jared. It's not just Matthew Stafford who have changed teams. Brad Holmes, Ray Agnew, Aubrey Pleasant, maybe Nikhil Roby Coleman. So many other members of the Rams organization are going to be dressed in different colors this weekend. But, DeMarco, I think Michael Brockers in particular deserves his own little segment here. You touched on it a bit earlier. Let's let's go a little bit deeper on what Brock mm-hmm. meant to the Rams organization, our community, the standard, especially in the defensive front, that this organization has become known for. Uh, you know, I remember doing a radio show when Michael Brockers was drafted, and you'd think that the people outside wanted to – you know, come in and burn the place down because they were so upset. They wanted some wide receiver, but Michael Brockers completely flipped the script on everybody. He got he got nothing but better throughout the years. Changed his body, changed his diet, 
worked on his game, became a complete pro and a leader. He was the first in, last out every single day. So if Aaron Donald was your best player and he's your leader, he's the most humble guy you have, then Michael Brockers was his second in command and took care of leading things so, so Aaron didn't have to. And they were the best tag team on the, on the field as far as D-line is concerned. So uh, it, I, it hurt me bad when he left. Um, I'm happy he landed in Detroit. He's still playing. Uh, the fact that he's coming back to town um, is, is awesome. I'm not sure if I'm going to give him a standing ovation, but I'll hug him pregame and that'll be about it. But when Michael Brockers lines up over the top of you, you better be ready to fight for four quarters. Now, it's not going to be as pretty as Aaron Donald. It's not going to be as dominant as Aaron Donald, but it's going to be definitely as intense as Aaron Donald brings it. So he brings it four quarters nonstop. That's what you want out of a player. So it's going to be special. Um, that's going to be something I can't wait to see, how the rest of the defense uh, embraces him when he comes out for warm-ups. That is going to be emotional to me. So seeing him in the other uniform, okay, uh, that stinks. But – once the game starts, now you got to go out and try to keep Big Brock off your quarterback because if you don't, he'll wind up on top of him. So, tremendous player. Good luck to him, but on game day, it's all about the Rams and nothing else. DeMarco, right back to you for a bit of housekeeping. Final topic here. Last two games have come at a cost, right? The Rams lost Darius Williams for a, an IR stint. This is going to be game two of three that he'll will be on the shelf. Johnny Munt and Jake Funk more recently to season-ending injuries in that win over the New York Giants. First, what was your evaluation of corner Dante Dion, who's now been signed to the roster this week? You know, look, uh, I think his talk or his play backed up his talk, and I love his swag. I think he's great for a locker room, great for the team. But when you watch him play, he backed it up. Now, he was in position to make plays. Now, the more reps you get, maybe you'll step in front of a few and knock a few down. But I still think there's going to be issues uh, that cornerback outside of Jalen Ramsey, especially when you get to teams that are that have two good receivers that can beat you deep. That, that's going to be an issue. Hopefully Darius Williams comes back and he comes back fast. But I think Dante Dion right now is great for this stretch. Uh, and I think he has a chance to get better. But let's not kid ourselves. You want Darius Williams back in the lineup as soon as possible. Maurice, wait till you see Robert Rochelle uh, playing full downs and snap counts. He had his first career interception with his mom in attendance at the Meadowlands last weekend. Well, JB, when mom shows up, you know, you got to play well. You got to play your best because they don't come to every game. But this is this is my thing. And I'll say this uh, about Dion as well. Reps for these young guys. Reps are important. The more reps you get, the better they'll be. Right. And, and so the same thing with Darius Williams, who. Remember, he was he ended up playing a little bit, and then he started getting those reps. And as the season went on, he started playing lights out, right? And so that's what you want. In these situations, these are opportunities for guys and for your depth on your secondary to grow, right? Maybe Dion comes; he's a, a guy that goes up and down uh, practice squad, back up, and but as long as he's getting reps in game and he he can kind of get more comfortable, he'll be there. Uh, Jake Funk to see that really hurt me. Um, I thought he was coming along, uh, special teams wise, he was doing a really good job. Um, and it sucks to see guys that, are, you know, work their butt off. I actually worked with him this offseason. And then Johnny Munt, again, you know, his role, which isn't a big role on the team, but it's an important role because he's kind of the hammer when you want to run the ball. He's the guy that they run behind. He's the guy that they get after uh, when they want to get after teams. So it's going to be interesting to see how they kind of switch things up a little bit. But, again, I'm just happy to be back and see you guys. I'm just happy to be back <laughs> to see you all. I miss you guys so much. It was the longest two weeks of my life. 
Um, but to see you guys is awesome. It's great to be around the Rams again. Uh, I can't wait. I wish MGB, to follow up on that fun point, how big does the Sony Michelle trade look now? Oh, it's mm. huge. It's I huge, mean. right? Like, and this is the other thing. So the Sony Michelle trade worked, helps you out for two. One, for depth, but two, it pushes Daryl Henderson to be better, right? If you look at the way he's playing, the way he's running, on uh, one of the uh, plays we were showing is his blitz pickup. Those are big-time plays when you have Matthew Stafford at quarterback, right? Not only just catching the ball out of the backfield and running, but the way he's picking up blitzes, his play is elevated, which is exciting to see. So, to me, I, I think that Sony Michelle trade kind of lit a fire under Daryl Henderson a little bit uh, and added depth at the same time. That's what you're looking for. DeMarco, the Rams really only had two proven tight ends, I think, if we're being serious. Jacob Harris is not a replacement for Johnny Munt. In fact, Tyler Higby might be the replacement for Johnny Munt, and then other players will be asked to do what Higby was doing within the scheme. Um, Bryson Hopkins, fourth-round pick, might be time to find out Like if, he, if he's the guy. This, this could be a big week, a big stretch for him. Yeah, I, I think you're going to be up when they do go 12 personnel, two tight ends, one running back. I, I, I assume it's going to be him. But the first thing I thought when Johnny Munt was you know, ruled out, he, he tore, the, tore his knee up, was maybe this might be an opportunity for Tutu Atwell. If you go three wide receivers, Van Jefferson, definitely. But if you start going three wides, go back to 11 personnel, which is what put Sean McVay in this offense, Jared Goff with Todd Gurley on the map, that 11 personnel, maybe you can find a role for Tutu Atwell in the slot. So, you know, but you you won't be able to replace Johnny Munt. I mean, really, um, he was an adequate backup to Tyler Higbee. Uh, he was a great blocker in line and on the move. And he was a guy you can line up at fullback and he can go kick somebody out. So, you, you don't have that. No one's willing to do that outside of Johnny Munt. So if you have to adjust offensively, I would assume you're going to go with three wides, and maybe this could be where Tutu Atwell finds his way onto the field on offense. Interesting. All right, DeMarco, Maurice, thank you very much. Looking forward to being here with you on Sunday when the Lions come to face the 5-1 and one Los Angeles Rams. We thank everyone for tuning in to Between the Horns, presented by your Southern California Toyota Dealers proud partner of the L.A. Rams. As always, if you'd like to join us inside SoFi Stadium this season to experience the Rams house, just go to therams.com slash tickets, therams.com slash tickets to purchase yours today. Hope to see you Sunday in Inglewood. Have a great rest of your week.